May the force be with you. 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 When it comes to defending America, it is not enough to merely have an American presence in space. We must have American dominance in space. So important. Very importantly, I'm hereby directing the Department of Defense and Pentagon to immediately begin the process necessary to establish a Space Force as the sixth branch of the armed forces. That's a big statement. We are going to have the Air Force and we are going to have the Space Force. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you, Master. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with us. May the Force be with us all. That's not interesting to me. A bunch of flying around bullshit with some beep beeping robot. When, oh, you gotta feel the Force. Oh, oh boy. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like Brian! Yeah, Brian! What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in to a bookended podcast week. It's the weekly dose for, what's today, the 22nd? Doesn't really matter, I don't guess. My name is Brian Stone. This is the most listened to podcast in the city of Chattanooga. Space Force, huh? Sometimes I wish this president would go on vacation more often. You know, we always complain about that. Yeah, why don't you just go on vacation? I don't tend to get into too much politics on this show. I mean, I touch on things or stories. I don't ignore real stories just for the sake of it being afraid somebody might be mad about something I say. But I, regulars know where I'm coming from. But serious, serious talk. You know, for every president, oh, this one golfs more than everybody. Oh, he's golfing too much. Oh, here's let me count down to the second. How many time? How many minutes and hours and days and weeks that George W. Bush has been on vacation? Oh, Obama, all he does is play golf. Oh, he's, he's on vacation. He's out in Hawaii again. Oh, yeah, J- Trump plays more golf than anybody in the first 100 days of their presidency. You know, they all vacation. They all play a lot of golf. And you know what, Trump? You got my blessing. You go right ahead. You go on vacation as much as you'd like. How about that? Go go, va- go vacay all that your heart desires. Take all your friends and family with you. Go to Mar uh, Mar Lago, whatever the hell that is down in Florida. Uh, go hang out in North Korea. Go wherever you want. Take a good long extended vacation. Get some R and R. Play tons of golf. Golf, 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 golf. That's what rich white people do. You're a rich white guy. You go right ahead and do it because I, I guess it is pretty much par for the course. Pardon the pun. Um, that presidents when they are quote-unquote working, and the administration, when they're working, get up every day and just decide to do things. Today, I guess, I don't know, I'm not really sure, we're going to have a space force. Of course, 
I don't know much about that, nor do I really care all that much. There's more pressing uh, stories and more pressing issues that need to be uh, examined, which the most current ones I'm not going to get into as far as the border. It is, uh, I, I think it's a major miscalculation of whatever's going on down there, specifically to the minute, because I don't follow it minute by minute. I've, I've become apathetic. I've stopped clicking on headlines. I've stopped watching the shows I used to watch, even the ones that are supposedly on, you know, on my side or I'm on that side. I'm, I'm so tired of it. The headlines don't grab me like they're supposed to. They're still grabbing most people because it's that sensationalized America. But um, I think it was a major miscalculation uh, on on the administration's part to kind of go real hard on this thing at the border with the kids and all this stuff and now backtracking. Holy hell. I had a podcast not long ago that went on and on about, I want chaos. I want to blow this thing up. I'm, I, I, I'm rooting for chaos. It's once again another situation of, Brian, be careful what the hell you wish for because, damn it, you're getting chaos, and I don't like it. So I've just stopped paying attention because I don't know what else to do at this point. Now, when I say I'm not paying attention, it's just not like I used to. I used to be always on top of things, whether I you know, thoroughly understood every subject matter of the, the daily news cycle. Not, that isn't the point, but I had at least a, a finger like somewhat where you know, you're looking for the pulse on your wrist and you just, God, I think I found it. Is that it? Yeah, like I'm that close. Now I'm not even that. Now, my, now, my, now I'm just dead, just dead weight over there. And I rarely keep very close tabs on any of this stuff. But anyway, a podcast to do today that will talk a little Trump here in the in the second segment of the show for sure. It's more about the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, and uh, just the overall just kind of disaster we're in with um, audio from Bob Corker and uh, Mark Sanford, who's been a longtime politician from South Carolina who just lost a primary basically because Trump tweeted, the guy's an asshole. I mean, in <laughs> not so many words, he said that guy's against you after people had voted for him for various uh, political positions from congressman to senator. I maybe want a senator. I know he's a congressman and uh, he was once governor. So an entire Republican base in South Carolina who's voted for this guy for two and a half decades, all of a sudden stopped voting for him because Trump called him an asshole and was against the MAGA crowd. That's, uh, it's, it's something, it, it's noteworthy, we'll put it that way. So that'll be the second segment of the show. The final segment of the show, uh, my now co-worker, James Howard, who is on Sunday 92.3 in the mornings and does this and that on Channel 9, I'm almost certain, had um, Chris Gentry from the McMahon Law Firm in, and I happened to stumble on it online through Facebook or Twitter or somewhere like that. And it was just, it was an infomercial because it was sponsored by McMahon Law Firm. But it was talking about bike lanes, bike safety, and all that. And so I figured this would be a good time to go back down that road because there's been a lot of uh, social media bickering about the bike lanes, how they should be used. They're awful. They're the best. They're innovative. They're uh, distraction. They're dangerous. Every angle. And I'll get into that in the third segment. I guess it might end up being the fourth segment of the show because I'm going to bring Stone's Throw segment back here in just a matter of a few minutes because I which is kind of similar to the bike and, and car conversation and debate, the road rage and the disastrous driving habits on the roads are what infuriate me. And from the, the story with Jeff Stiles from Talk Radio 102.3, we all, if you're listening to this, you already know about that. His dumbass road rage 
boiled over, smashing cars, getting shot, acting like a damn maniac. Now, who's at fault here? I'm not entirely sure, but there's no doubting and there's no doubt whatsoever that Jeff, Jeff Styles was a damn maniac in this setting, and I'm not that surprised. A lot of conversation online is, oh, I, I, I couldn't see this coming from Jeff. Well, then you didn't know him. Jeff's a loose cannon. He's also an incredible person at times, too, and the most selfish guy you've ever met. All of these things can be true at any given time. I'm going to talk about road rage and how ridiculous it is. And no, not everybody has it. Most people seem to, but not everybody. And there's actually a mental condition that's associated with it. Well, of course there is. We got American uh, uh, scientists and pharmaceutical companies and doctors involved. Of course, there's a medical condition. And I'll get into that in the Stone's Throw segment. I'm in a great mood today, though, as we get ready. I get ready to head to Nashville to go to see Bill Maher up at the Ryman on Sunday night. This is being released on the 22nd of June. And I just want to thank all you guys for the um, how much excitement there was over the Monday podcast. And every time I talk about a local person, more specifically a local media person, I tend to get major spikes in downloads and listenership. And I got some of the most listenership and downloads that I've had in uh, this year for sure. And uh, maybe maybe in as long as, long as I can remember. And uh, I was just having fun at Jeff's expense. I didn't have any information that that uh, that anybody else didn't have. So maybe I duped people. I don't know. That wasn't the point. I was just trying to put together a good show. And uh, I got a lot of good feedback. And I just want to say thank you because it was uh, it was fun. So I said, what the hell? I'll do another one before I hit the road to go to Nashville. Speaking of Nashville, Live on the Green was announced uh, just yesterday. This is their version, for lack of a better way to describe it, Nightfall. Because uh, it's just a free concert series, so that's the best way to to quickly tell you what it is. It's a free concert series that lasts over the course of three weeks and then a full weekend on Labor Day, and it's put on by Lightning One Hundred people who um, who run the Radio Bonnaroo compound backstage at Bonnaroo. The core of those people are all Lightning One Hundred people, so I know a lot of them, love a lot of them. They treat me well, so therefore I'm a Lightning One Hundred guy. But coming to live on the green in August and September. Jimmy World, X Ambassadors, Dispatch, Cold War Kids, Dr. Dog, Matt and Kim, Trampled by Turtles, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, Wood Brothers, <sighs> Wild Feathers, Car Seat Headrest, ZZ Ward, uh, Lizzie, Mount Joy, Raylan Baxter, and then the list gets less and less um, uh, mainstream. And not a lot of that's not mainstream, but a lot of that, that I, everything I just mentioned, I like. It's a really good lineup. And as more people are talking about how few people went to Riverbend this year, it's like, yes, finally, finally. We can start to talk about how disgustingly ridiculous this piece of shit festival is, Riverbend, and people are finally realizing it. Barry Corder, my one of my favorites in the city, finally put out a piece in this week's, um, it was just an opinion blurb he does in the Chattanooga Now every Thursday, and it said maybe it is finally time that Riverbend needs to be needs to be put down and just moved away from, or at least drastically changed. It is such an awful awful experience and an awful overall run organization run by some good people and a handful of total assholes money grubbing greedy get my hands on everything i can take care of all my my rich buddies give them vip uh, access down front and then screw over every single patron that walks in the door if you pay money to go to riverbend the the organization that puts it on is saying screw you the minute you walk in the door they make everything difficult on you, and they don't give a damn about you or your or your user experience. 
And anybody who puts on anything from a music festival to a just insert it here, a concert, a, a ball game, a, a theater a sh- show, a opera, a, 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 a big sale at the car lot, whatever it is that you're attempting to organize. If you're not concerned about the user experience, you are doing it wrong. And Riverbend does not give one shit about the user experience at that absolutely awful, awful nine day stretch in June. And it's got to end. Sorry, wasn't planning on doing that. So, but the numbers are down and that's great. And I hope they continue to go down until the ashes of Riverbend are floating up above the river in downtown Chattanooga. Whew. All right. Speaking of assholes, ashes, and the, the, the smoldering rubble of an organization, I talked a little bit about last week how I'm going to save Talk Radio 102.3. And whether that ever happens, I was just kind of on a tangent having fun. Whether I ever go to work for that format or another talk format in this city again, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not overly concerned about it right now. I bet it does happen. I bet it does, but I, I don't really care all that much. It is two years to the day, three days from now. From the, no, no, excuse me, two days from now when this podcast drops on the 22nd. It was the 24th of June, 2016, when those fraudulent assholes, Scott Chase and a guy who doesn't even work here anymore, and I don't even feel like, I, I'm not even going to say his name because it doesn't matter, fired me because they hacked into my Facebook page and saw I was talking to some people they didn't like. And it's got all kinds of wide coverage. I've been transparent as I could possibly be about it. I got nothing to be ashamed of to this day. I have nothing uh, I, I regret nothing, nothing that's happened, like my reaction. Now, there are times when I thought maybe I would and thought I should have probably dialed it down a little bit. Nope, don't care. I am not concerned at all about how I reacted because I was the one screwed over. And this whole, you know, I kept getting it. Don't burn a bridge. <laughs> F you, dude. That bridge is annihilated. And guess who set the dynamite up and activated it? They did. They, I'm not burning anything. They burned the bridge. They get caught. Jeff Styles right now could be sitting in jail or sitting at home with a shot ass arm or whatever. He could be on an island somewhere right at this very moment. Wherever he is, he's not on the air. And they could call me up tomorrow. And this is a God's honest truth. Call me tomorrow and say, Brian, we've decided to move on from Jeff. And we would like to focus you, you to be the flagship of this station. We want you to pick your hours. We'd prefer it be this, you know, morning drive or whatever it is. You're our guy. We're getting on board with you. Come on over. Here's a de- even a decent salary, which would still only be like $35,000 a year. And I would say, you know what? Talk Radio 102.3, Scott Chase, and even the ones of you I like over there, you can go fuck yourself is what I tell them right now. So I'm not looking to go back to work at this place. I'm just looking to save the brand and the heritage nature of the brand once the power structure gets, gets shipped out. That's, that was my point of last week, and that's basically the end of this little rant right now. But it has been two years, and two years later, they can't keep people, they can't keep shows together. They've, they've had unfortunate situations with, uh, with, with, with deaths, our the, my beloved um, Dr. B. They've shuffled the, uh, the, the time frames around. They've, their, their programming is just floundering. They can't, they've got their morning sports guy, JR, gets arrested for domestic uh, uh, violence, which ends up getting dropped. Jeff Styles is shot. They can't, they can't keep anybody employed. They don't have any money. The company is basically bankrupt. 
I get letters in the mail from Cumulus, why it comes to me about the bankruptcy once a week. I don't believe in karma, but if I did, that's what this, that's what this is. Because I'm good. I'm never going to be as good as I want to be. You know, I always wish I had more, but I'm good. I got a killer radio gig. I got a fun podcast. I got a great day job. I got a lot of good people in my life. And I got a lot of creative freedom in everything I do. And when I was, when I was stuck over there working in an environment that I didn't hate, hate, but I was growing very, very uh, disgruntled with, I didn't have that creative freedom that I wanted. And I didn't have that amount of money that I was looking for. And I didn't have a situation I loved. Now I do. And I'll leave that right there. Road rage is one of the most American things America could possibly do. People who have absolutely zero self-control inside of their cars endangering everybody around them. And it's pathetic and it's disgusting and it needs to stop. Heads up. It's Stone's Throw. What? What? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me. I'm stupid. I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? Ah, the old Stone Throws segment returns. Now, I'm a moody guy. I really, really am. I'm not the type though that when I get in a really bad mood like watch out he's in a bad mood no I don't take it out on people now I'm not going to be overly nice to you almost ever (laughs) almost ever Uh, I don't like small talk I don't care about how the weather is don't care how your day is going I mean uh, unless you're my friend and we want to have a real conversation Um, so yeah I'm going to you know there will be many times where people walk out of a room and go like god what an asshole no 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 actually I was being quite cool All I did was get right to the point, make sure whatever we needed to get done, got done, got it done efficiently, and then, uh, you know, nodded my head as you walked away. Matter of fact, I'm the best guy in the damn room. I didn't make a big deal out of something that didn't need to be made a big deal about. I didn't uh, didn't make wise comments and, and and be demeaning to people. No, I wasn't overly friendly, but I got whatever it is we needed done, done. I'm talking more in a work environment, I guess, in that setting. I'm an absolute 100% no-nonsense guy. If you don't bring me any nonsense, you won't get any nonsense out of me. And if I'm overly on a good mood, then I'm a little goofy, silly, whatever, and having a little bit of fun. I'm not going to be over the top in that setting either, and it can shift pretty quickly either way. But one thing that I am absolutely positively passionate about is safety on the roads. And it is something I've talked about off and on over the years. I guess I don't go on much about it because I do believe if you are absolutely completely driving as safe as possible and taking it as serious as possible, the chances are you'll never be in any kind of really dangerous situation because you've made sure and put yourself in a position that won't allow that. Now, every now and again, there's a situation like that brewer asshole who uh, despicable, disgusting, one of the most horrific stories ever of the uh, cool runnings trucking company where dude plows through and kills all those people up near Udawal. One of the most terrifying, gut-wrenching, sad, scary stories I've ever heard and to this day still haunts me to think about. Now, nobody can stop something like that. I understand that. But you're not going to get... You're not going to ever have a problem with your blind spot if you make sure wherever you're driving, there's never anybody in your blind spot. And you're not going to ever be anybody's blind spot if 
the same thing, you make sure you're not ever doing it. The problem is, is in America, we at least we used to be, it seems like kids these days don't care about driving as much as they used to, but we just, we, we romanticize the automobile and driving and how amazing it is and how cool it makes you. Oh, look at my car. I'm so cool. I got a cool car. Look how expensive this is. Look how much cool stuff is in here. Listen, a car for me is a place to get to A to B. I need to go from A to B to C and back to A. And if I got an automobile that will do that for me, then I'm winning in life. I've got things going on here. But that's not how most people are. And the driver's test, when I took it in 1996, was drive up and down Bonnie Oaks once or twice, park once or twice, get out, you've got a license. Are you effing kidding me? Seriously. I didn't even go with my parents. They let a child who had no idea what he was doing go out and terrorize the roads with a legal driver's license. I don't know if it's harder than that now or not. I bet it's not. I bet it's not much harder than that at all. So we immediately throw people out on the roads who don't know what they're doing. We're, we're delusionally let 15-year-olds start to learn to drive. 15 years old when you start to be out on the roads. I know there's a guardian in the car, but whatever. And then in 16, all right, there you go. No restrictions. Go drive around, 16-year-old asshole. What 16-year-old do you know that can do anything well? And we put them out on the roads to, to be menaces to society by just their own ignorant asses just driving around? That's not even when they're doing something stupid. So we start this off from a very, very, very poor position to begin with. All right, so you're 16, you're 17, you're 18, you're 19, you're 20, and you're finally maturing eventually by the time you get to your mid-20s. And you're, you know, until the difference between an 18 year old and a 20 year old is, is nothing. A 22 and a 20 year old is very little difference because of just the culture that we live in, the way that we, the way we do things, good or bad, right or wrong. That's not the point here. Kids are kids for a long time and are out there driving like shit every minute of every day. And we just create all these bad habits as we get into adults. And a lot of those habits we never break and one of the things we never put emphasis on is how incredibly dangerous the roads are i call cars human death machines because that's what they are because really if you want to take it even as serious as you should which i don't because i still do take things for granted i have so much confidence in myself that i'm not overly concerned about it but every time you leave the house and drive around in a car there's a damn good chance you could maybe never return you just never know especially with the jacked up, messed up, uh, stoplight signals, awful American road system, which is just a travesty, which I could get into in a whole podcast, and I will someday. It's a dangerous world out there, and nobody takes it seriously. Very few people take this seriously, and it causes for, for terrible accidents and deaths daily, every single day. It should scare you. It should concern you. And then you mix in the out-of-control nature of most every asshole walking around. Adult children, everywhere you look, have no self-control. Emotional self-control is almost extinct. And social media has made it so much worse. Just look. You're out there. You know what I'm talking about. This isn't, this isn't something you're not familiar with. People who just can't stop arguing online and, and causing a, all these fusses about things that they don't really care about. It's because they cannot emotionally get themselves under control. It's just like children. Children cry and throw ten temper tantrums when they don't get their way. Why? Because they have no self-control because they haven't learned it yet. Well, some people just basically never learn it or just revert backwards and go back to it. It's, it's infuriating, but that's a whole other psychological conversation you can have. 
That's where this road rage comes from. That's where people like how Jeff Styles and that driver he interacted with and the dude shot him and he smashed his car. These are two children, maniacs, menaces to society, endangering everyone around them. Axes are flying, guns are shooting, cars are driving uncontrollably on major highways and major uh, uh, intersections of, with ma- huge populations. It's, this isn't just between those two guys, Jeff and dipshit in his car. This is between everyone around them and all the innocent bystanders that are everywhere. This is dangerous, and people don't think about it that way. So road rage, what causes this? Why does this happen? And, of course, there's a medical condition that we've created for it. This is from uh, LiveScience.com. While no statistics are kept specifically on road rage, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that aggressive driving causes about a third of all crashes and about two-thirds of automotive fatalities. The studies show it's not just total jerks who become enraged. But why does getting behind the wheel transform the meek and mild into raving and dangerous idiots? What causes road rage? Human beings are territorial. The car is an extension of this territory, according to AAA. Plus, as a 2008 study found, humans crave violence just like they crave sex. There's another factor. Negative actions play out bigger than positive acts, University of Chicago researchers say. Feeling slighted can have a bigger effect on how a person responds than being the recipient of perceived generosity the researchers found. I'll side note on that saying, you know why that is? Is because we're all a bunch of arrogant pricks who think that we are um, we are owed the gratitude that we get or we're owed the, the, the good vibes or the good situations that people afford us. And as soon as you slide us, I'll, I'll, I'll F you up, bro. I think that's got a lot of truth to it. Last little bit here from LiveScience.com. There's even a disorder thought to be behind extreme cases of road rage among some people. Intermittent explosive disorder, which is characterized by recurrent episodes of angry and potentially violent outbursts seen in cases of road rage or spousal abuse. That's from Ronald Kessler from the Harvard Medical School. So I don't know exactly explains what the exact problem is other than people are just selfish assholes everywhere and that's no different than in their car you often hear people say oh man these drivers are terrible out here why they, around here we got awful driving no there's awful driving everywhere and it's because it's not because they're bad driving it's because they're bad people it's because they don't take things seriously and not concerned about your safety they're only concerned about their selfishness at that exact moment when you leave your house every day driving a car should be the most simple thing you do an entire day Oh, yeah, old Johnny over there, he's just not good at driving. No, he's a dickhead is what he is. It's not difficult. We should all be tied for the best drivers in the world because it's not at all a difficult task. But if you don't take it seriously and you don't think that it's dangerous and you're not concerned about the well-being of others around you, well, then, yeah, then you turn into a, quote-unquote, bad driver. And the most fascinating thing about all this is to look at how people react when they're in their cars. You would never go up to somebody who irritated you in a room and say, oh, yeah, fuck you, buddy. Oh, oh, come on, I'll bring it. Oh, and start flipping people off and yelling at them. You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. She wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that. But inside your car, there's something about the barrier of a little piece of glass and some fiber, you know, fiberglass, rubber, 
outside that for some reason emboldens people to just completely degrade and to and and to put down other people in a very aggressive manner all the while driving erratically and endangering everybody around them why is that how has that car become such a safe haven for people to act like absolute buffoons it's embarrassing it's disgusting it's dangerous as hell and i i implore you that if you have issues with that because hell it's a medical condition to just think about it a little bit more think about how first of all how foolish you look I, I, I've been watching my dad since I was a kid in the car saying, what the hell is up with this maniac? God, he looks like an idiot. You look like a fool. We look like fools when we do this. And if that was the worst of it, that's, you know, that's no big deal, right? Except I don't like to look like a fool. I do it all the time, but I don't like it. I don't strive for it. But the bad part is, is that's, that's like the least significant thing about all of it. You look like a fool, but you're also putting people's lives in danger because you're you're taking your focus off the most important thing and that's the safety of your driving from your point a to your point b and i'll just give a hint too to anybody out there to all the you know car crazies and 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 the people who think they're they're cool because of what they drive they ain't a damn person in this world who gives one shit about what you're driving there ain't a person on this planet who has spent two seconds caring about what your car looks like what color it is how many options it's got, you're the only one, bro. Car guy, car girl, car people, you're the only person out there that thinks you got it going on because of what you drive. So my point is we just need to all be careful as we drive around and not worry about things that don't matter. Watch for blind spots. All the stuff you should have learned on day one. Just be careful. Be so careful because you never know when you're going to leave the house and you might not come back or you might end up in the hospital. And I and every day I see people doing crazy stuff out there, and we've gotta we've gotta ban cell phones during driving, and that's a whole another show for another day. We gotta get more distracted laws on the books, but right now nobody cares about that. And politicians are out of freaking control, and all of your congressmen, and all of your senators, and all of your governors, and all your lawmakers—they're all freaking out because they don't know what to do with the way this president we have is acting right now. It, the wind blows, and we got to change opinions. The wind blows, and we got to change which direction we go, what we do or don't vote on, and how we do or don't govern this country. Real Republicans are furious. Real Democrats are furious. Left-leaning, far-alt-left crazy liberals are just that, and the alt-right thinks that they're about to just take over the world. This is a very odd time we're in, and I'll get some audio from both the uh, former lawmaker or soon-to-be former uh, several different uh, political seats in the state of South Carolina, Mark Sanford and our own Bob Corker and their disgust for where they're at and they're both on their way out. So they can finally say something which has got its own pathetic nature that oh well now that I'm not a for re-election I can actually be I can actually be authentic. Which just proves that you've been lying or at least a semblance of truth for your entire time in office and on the way out here this is a band called AJR uh, Young Kids Adam, Jack and Ryan early 20s basically just started making music in their living room and then turned it into uh, top 40 hits this is their latest it's called Burn Down the House and it's basically about destroying this, this ridiculous system we're in right now my favorite line from it should I hang my head low should I bite my tongue or should I march with every stranger from Twitter 
to get shit done. Used to hang my head low, now I hear it loud. Every stranger from Twitter is going to burn this down. This is a Stone on Air podcast, and I will be right back. Should I hang my head low? Should I bite my tongue? Or should I march with every stranger from Twitter to get shit done? Used to hang my head low, now I hear it loud. Every stranger from Twitter is gonna burn this down. Way up, way up we go. Been up and down that road. Way up, way up, oh no. We gon' burn the whole house down. Watch me standing in line. You're only serving lies. You got something to hide. We gon' burn the whole house down. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. We might upset the President of the United States. Before the midterms. So, gosh, we can't vote on the Corker Amendment because we're taking, rightly so, the responsibilities that we have to deal with tariffs and, and, and revenues. We can't do that because we'd be upsetting the president, the president of the United States. I can't believe it. I would bet that 95% of the people on this side of the aisle support intellectually this amendment. I would bet that. I would bet higher than 95%. And a lot of them would vote for it if it came to vote. But no, 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 gosh, we, we might poke the bear. It's a language I've been hearing in the hallways. We, we might poke the bear. The president might get upset with us as United States senators if we vote on the Corker Amendment. So we're gonna do everything we can to block it. We might poke the bear. Bear gone fishing, mermaids missing. Ah, don't poke the bear. The bear's gone fishing. Welcome back to the show. I'm going to move kind of quick here in the second half of the show. I don't want to take up too much of your time, as I've already taken up a lot of it this week, and I appreciate any time you lend your ears to either Alt 98.7, my radio gig during the week, or the podcast. I have a lot of respect for Bob Corker. I have a lot of respect for real real Republicans. I have a lot of respect for real Christians. Talked about this many times over the years. I know not everybody's here for every podcast. I don't have time to reset every time I do a show, but now fake Republicans piss me off beyond belief. Fake Christians are the worst things ever. But real ones, authentic, practicing, I got no problem with it all. Never have. Absolutely never have. And it's, it's, it's just interesting to see, like, this happened several years ago when Zach Womp finally got out of politics. He ran for governor, and he lost, and he gave up his third congressional seat, which now has Chuck Fleischman, the guy who, I, who says, I know what he's going to say before he ever says it, an absolute parrot, complete puppet for the party, but that's why he's so confused right now. He's not sure what he's supposed to say, because he doesn't have the, he hasn't been briefed, can't be briefed quick enough to figure out what direction he's supposed to follow. 
and that's what's you know, it's always been that way it, to a very certain degree. But there didn't used to be such winds of change from week to week, from day to day, from sometimes hour to hour. But Zach Womp finally just retired from politics, and they came on uh, Let's Talk Money on on uh, talk radio uh, on the show I was producing. Uh, probably in 2012 or 13, and basically spent an hour saying, yeah, I'm a damn liar. Now, he didn't say that, but all everything he said contradicted everything he had said since the early 1990s as a, as a congressional uh, representative. And he basically said, I, it's, it's freeing to finally sit down and be able to be honest. And we talked about this a, a few weeks back of like, why would you, this is from a Tony Kornheiser show when he was talking to Chuck Todd, the reason we have what seems like so many buffoons in, in, in politics is because quality real people don't want to have anything to do with this. Why would you want to get in, involved with this? And uh, Bob Corker, I think, is a very, very, very good politician. I think he's done a lot of good work. I think he's one of the smarter guys that come out of uh, this area. You can talk about the the land deals in Brainerd and how he's gotten rich. Builder Bob's gotten rich off of this, that, and the other. That's not for this conversation. But it is while it's in one hand it's yeah oh well there's lying ass hypocritical bob who's now finally being able to be uh, be uh, be honest because he's not running for re-election but then there's also something that i that's refreshing to hear somebody still in congress who basically calls out everybody around him you're a bunch of fools and everybody just has to sit there and take it this is uh, bob corker continuing another uh, cut about offending the president if people don't like it they can vote up or down but no the United States Senate right now on June the 12th is becoming a body where, well, we'll do what we can do, but my gosh, if the president gets upset with us, then we might not be in the majority. And so let's don't do anything. But look, I know there's not gonna be a vote on this amendment. I know it. I'm not about to hold somebody else's amendment up from being voted on because I know that every ounce of power possible is going to be used to keep from voting on this amendment because, well, my gosh, the president might not like it. And therefore, we as senators might be offending someone by, by the way, just voting on an amendment. Well, he's not wrong. It is absurd that people would act that way and, and um, make their decisions based on what the president might or might not think. But hey, just ask old um, Mark Sanford, politician from South Carolina. He's a former governor of South Carolina. Two-time stint as a congressional district representative. And has had, he's been, he's been labeled as a libertarian Republican. But by the way, libertarian Republicans are the best Republicans. Libertarian Democrats are the best Democrats. He didn't go along with everything the president said. The president threw out a tweet. And uh, a crazy MAGA type beat him in the, in the primaries. For that congressional seat. This is him on with MSNBC talking about nobody was concerned about his allegiance to the Constitution. They were worried about his allegiance to a person. Well, short and simple as I got beat, but but I, I think the the, the the themes that come from it have implications, as you suggest, for a whole lot of other races out there and sort of um, our belief in institutions in this country and what the Republican Party is ultimately about. So I guess I'd say uh, in shortest, shortest form, 
we you know swear allegiance to the Constitution and we pledge allegiance to the flag and what was weird about this race uh, that I've never experienced before in any race that I've been a part of was an allegiance question uh, where people say are you for or against the president I'd, I'd give sort of a nuanced answer you know I, I I'm with them most of the time but I've disagreed on a couple of issues when they've been inconsistent with the promises that I made in running or my belief in terms of conservative philosophy or the very people that I represent. If you look at my rating, I've basically voted with them 89% of the time, disagreed with them a handful of times. And and yet the answer would be, no, I want to know you're for or against the president. And again, I'd say, look, I love my brothers and sisters, but I'm not with them all the time. I agree that uh, uh, I've never before had a question of allegiance to a person rather than allegiance to the flag of the Constitution. And to a degree, that's what this race came down to. So Mark Sanford was on with, uh, what's his name? Joe Sharborough. Is that his name from Morning Joe? Anyway, I, uh, Joe from Morning Joe on MSNBC. And this was him speaking to that he had known Mark Sanford for many years, and he's never changed. And everybody's voted for him all these years. What gives? Well, and that's what's so frightening is that it really is, it seems like a personality cult where you have to have, you, you, you don't pledge an oath to the Constitution of the United States. You don't. Uh, pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States. It goes directly to Donald Trump. I've known you for a quarter of a century now. <clears throat> I know the first time I met you, uh, you got all the incoming freshmen in and you had a chart and you showed us uh, the challenges facing us on the, the federal deficit, entitlement spending. You basically predicted where we were going. And I would like to say when people say that I'm a squish or I've changed this way, or I'd love to say, yes, I'm actually nuanced enough to do that. But like me, you've been saying the same thing about trade, about deficits, about debt, about entitlement spending for a quarter of a century. You've been saying the same exact thing, more so than anybody else I came into Congress with in 1994. How does it change? Like, like people that have known you for a quarter of a century and heard you saying, I'm for free trade. I'm for balancing the budget. Let's not spend so much money. Let's reform entitlements. Let's save Social Security. What do they say when they look into your eye and know you're saying the same exact thing you've been saying for over two decades now? Mark Sanford, the final cut here, uh, the con congressional representative from South Carolina, or at least on his way out, congressional representative, former governor, and many other political seats, talking about those merit badges, those 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 issues that I ran on that people voted me in for, they just don't matter anymore. Well, that's the puzzle of, again, this race and something that I'm trying to figure out myself. But what I'd say is um, those traditional merit badges, if you will, did not matter in this race. And 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 obviously, actually, it was a close race. It was a very divided race. I mean, it's, it was separated by about 3,000 votes. But, but at the end of the day, for the people that voted against me, um, those things, those traditional markers of conservative philosophy, market principle, and constitutional rule of of the American system those merit badges didn't 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 matter and that is again something that I think has alarming consequences for races that go well beyond the first district of South Carolina it's just so uh, it's just so disappointing that the the constituency of the entire country the electorate is just so full of shit I mean that's just what it is 
And I many times have talked about how politicians aren't dumb. Their constituents are. So they have to play to their constituents' um, nonsense to to be able to continue to get reelected. And that's a big that's a big reason why Don Trump's the president now to begin with. Now I get go into 16, there was a different mindset. Lots of things have changed between now and then. I don't think there's many people at all who have any kind of real political mind or political thoughts or, or reasonable thoughts. I think any of this going on right now is, um, is is acceptable. And I get why people voted the way they did in 16. But the reason it happened was because of the dimwits and the numbnuts that are now that are now this just this, this rabid base to go to these rallies and to turn it into a South Park episode. And I'm going to put it on an end right there and not get it too much further into it. It's just, it's, it's not, it's infuriating, yes, but more than that, it's disappointing, you know? It's, it's like when your mom or your dad or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever says to you, like, I'm not mad, you know? I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed in you. And the, the thing is, is that you're just, oh, well, good. I'm glad you're not mad because you don't understand that disappointment is is in most cases a stronger more authentic emotion than anger is anger is just oh i'm mad i'm mad get out of my way disappointment is i had so much faith in you because i cared so much about you and this and this thing and this situation and dullards can't figure that out so i uh i i, I don't know what to think about that so let's get out of here real quick. One more go around here with bike lanes, car safety. We'll tie it up. We'll wrap it up. We'll get done with a bookended week of podcasts. I thank you again for the uh, massive support and the massive uh, reaction online, the shares, the likes, the retweets, the uh, the comments. Bring it on. And if you're on iTunes and you're putting any ratings or reviews, I would certainly appreciate that. It shows up on all the podcasting de- uh, apps and People see it, and it, and it just, I don't know, gives it a level of legitimacy. And uh, it's not that important, but I would appreciate it. If you think the show sucks, then you go ahead and say the show sucks. So we'll look at bikes and cars, cars and bikes, coming up next. to understand what happens when a 2,000 pound metal automobile Mm. hits a poor person who, I mean, you're already in spandex. It's important for those of us who drive cars and it's important Mm -hmm. for those of us that ride bikes. Most people don't know that cycling accidents are most commonly the result of a motorist who doesn't see a cyclist. And a lot of that is just because we have so many more cyclists on our roads now and so much more cycling infrastructure, bike lanes, bike paths, those kind of things. And if you learned to drive a long time ago, you may not have been told that when you're about to make a right-hand turn, you need to look over your shoulder to make sure there isn't a cyclist in the cycling lane. I didn't know you rode bikes. I didn't know you rode bikes. Let's go butts up and fast. Oh no! Oh my god, are you alright? 
I'm fine. Let's just keep riding bikes. Are you sure? That was a wicked wipeout. I'm fine. Can we just keep riding bikes, please? <sighs> yeah, a lot of memories here. Look, my first bike. Boy, I had so much fun playing with that. More tea, Mr. Bike? I can always count on Family Guy. <laughs> All I need to do is put in a Google search, uh, whatever the subject matter is of the show, and Family Guy, and there's always something. So the bike lanes have been going in for the last couple of years, however many years it's been. And uh, I'm not a hater on the bike lanes. I once upon a time thought it might be fun to ride a bike around a, a, a lot. I was wrong. I bought one, tried to get into it about four or five years ago. Eh, wasn't for me. But the debate always continues because we keep changing roads. MLK recently and, re and, and Broad Street before that. And we keep eliminating driver's lanes and sometimes parking and adding more and more bike lanes. And whether they get used a lot or not, I'm not sure. My biggest concern is, is that nobody outside of cyclists now... I get it. Cyclists, they're they they're good now. They know what they're doing. But they're not generally just riding around from spot to spot in downtown. Cyclists are hitting up, you know, trails or races or certain areas for training. They're not generally going to just run from uh the, the signal on the south end and run over to uh to Starbucks over the Reed House and going to grab a, a bike share program bike to do it. That's just some jackhole walking around who just, "Hey, look cool. Let's ride a bike around." Doesn't understand any of the rules, doesn't have any uh, any kind of um, uh, certification, any kind of registration, anything like that. They just get on a bike and ride it around on the road, and they don't have to have any proof of any kinds of insurances or liabilities. They just get to get on the road and ride around. Now, meanwhile, all the cars on the road have to be registered, licensed, insured, uh, regulations followed from seatbelts and other safety concerns. And hopefully sooner or later, uh, cell phone usage, uh, alcohol, blood, blood alcohol limits, all these different things. And then you mix them together and you say, now you both have the same rules and obligations on the road. Now, what the hell kind of sense does that make? The answer is it doesn't make a damn bit of sense. So this is uh, from this and that. My uh, now co-worker since uh, October of last year. Talked to him every now and again. Fun guy to chit-chat a little bit with. James Howard. He's on 92, uh, Sunday 92 in the morning. And he hosts this and that on Channel 9. He had McMahon Law Firm's Chris Gentry in. This is uh, him talking about Chris Gentry, the lawyer, talking about bikes and cars need to follow the same rules on the road. And we'll turn that off and turn that on. First of all, a cyclist, everyone should know, has all the rights and responsibilities uh, to be on the road as a car would. So that means that, A, they have the right to be on the road. So anyone who thinks they can't be, you're wrong. Yeah. Okay. And number two, they have to follow the rules. Stop at red lights, stop at stop signs, just like a car would. So if you're a cyclist and you think you can just do whatever you want to, you're also wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. But how do they know that? How are they able to figure out whether that because they don't know that they're wrong? It's ignorance. They just they don't know. Here's a bike share. Pay up eight bucks. Go ride around on the bike. And, hey, go play around in the road and make sure you follow all the rules. What are the rules? Well, I don't know. I mean, go look them up. Well, I don't feel like looking them up. It's just riding a bike. See what I'm saying? It's it, this is a fundamentally flawed system here. Put in all the best bike lanes in the world. That's fine. 
if you have a um, a population of your of your downtown you know culture society you know your daily in and out in and off the roads that don't know how to use it it doesn't matter what the laws are you're putting people in dangerous situations Chris Gentry talking about the responsibility of the uh, the automobile operator and the safety of the bikers on the road. Something you should know as a car driver too, you hit someone, you're gonna be responsible for that just as if you caused a car wreck. Um, And the injuries that you cause that person, which might be really severe, even if it's a a little bump when it's a bicycle, you're gonna be responsible for that. And you know what else you're finding out there is more and more law firms beefing up and putting time and effort and money into their bike law specialists who are almost in some cases, I'm not calling Chris or McMahon this, but I've seen a lot of it and read about a lot of it in bigger cities like Atlanta where they're almost ambulance chasers. Were you hit by a car? Oh, well, we'll get you a check, even though the bicyclist might not have had a damn idea what he was doing out there on the road. It's a very gray area of a thing to try to um, to try to prosecute or try to defend because it's so new to the um, to the overall system, especially in a place like Chattanooga, who's just now all getting trendy and trying to get in on the bike lanes. And here's one of the more absurd things bike safety helmets if you're under the age of 16 you're required by law to have a helmet so every parent if they're going to have their kid on a bike their kids should be wearing a helmet as you get over 16 you have to exercise your own common sense not everyone does it i think safety first i wear a helmet every time i ride my bike anywhere yeah good for you chris i'm glad that you do and that's awesome to hear but what you just said without saying it there is no law that requires you to wear a helmet if you're out there on a bike. Why? Because the bike share program wouldn't work if you were required to have a helmet because you wouldn't have one and you'd be breaking the law. Can't pass a law that makes the bike share program being funded by the city obsolete. It is ridiculously infuriating. I have to wear a seatbelt, but you don't have to wear a helmet. Makes a lot of sense. The final cut here and we'll wrap up the show passing laws and uh, riding at night. And so I think some of the important things about laws as it relates to bike and cars, first of all, let's talk about cars. Um, They have to pass, when you're passing a bicyclist, you have to give that cyclist at least three feet before you pass them. If you're passing them and you're closer than that, you violated the law. And you really should be farther away just to make sure you don't hit somebody. Now bikes have to do things for their safety too. At night, they have to have lights on the front and lights or reflectors on the back of their bike where you can see them. They're supposed to ride as close as possible to the right side of the road. and and all of the other things that apply to that. That is a legal a, a legal technical term. You have to ride as close as possible to the curb. I mean, come on now. Three feet, who's got a yardstick out, right? I mean, these laws are unenforceable. And there are probably cases where they're just trying to settle these as much as possible. But that's fine. I'm not trying to hate on Chris Gentry and the McMahon Law Firm and upset my friend James Howard for having him on because talking bike safety is a good thing. But this idea that just any old Joe can just jump on a bike and start riding around in the middle of the road is dangerous and it's absurd. If you're going to be on the road with cars riding a bike, you should at least have to have some kind of online certification. I would prefer it to be some kind of actual licensed situation, but I would even let be okay with it if you just made it some kind of certification. There should be some kind of, of um, registration. There should be a, a tag on the bike. Even if you wanted to use it for the bike share program and you had 
uh, like government tags where it was included in the amount of money you spend to ride the bikes around. That would keep those meaningful. That would be fine, too. But there needs to be registration on these bikes. There needs to be a way to identify a bike. What happens if it does something stupid, runs a red light, causes a wreck, and then takes off? Did you get the tag numbers? No, I didn't get the tag numbers. There aren't any tag numbers. Why doesn't regular, normal, smart people tie their shoes in the morning and floss their teeth and brush their teeth and have a you know a healthy breakfast before they leave the house? Why don't they ask these questions and do something about these kinds of things? Oh, yeah, let's just throw the bikes out there. They can just do whatever they want. License them, register them, and make the users responsible for the space that they occupy. Everybody else around them, the human death machines... Jesus Christ, the last earlier in the show, I'm worried about cars hitting cars and people dying and it being a dangerous situation. You're on a freaking bike with no registration, no identification, and no helmet if you don't want to. Man, why do we do anything? Why does anybody do anything? And why doesn't anybody ask questions that actually matter? Oh, these bike lanes are dumb. We lost a parking space. How about when someone loses their life? How about that? How about we discuss that? How about we discuss, hey, you guys like making money, right? How about we make you register your biking license once a year? Or register your uh, your, your tag and your title and renew your tag for your bike so we, you can have accountability for the people on the roads who do break the laws, who do run the red lights, who do cause wrecks because of their reckless behavior. Oh, it's infuriating. God, it's so stupid. It's one of those things where everybody focuses on all the wrong things. Oh, well, that messed up the aesthetics of that, and now I can't get... No, 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 no. How about people that... that Safety of lives. You know you only get one of those, right? Once you're dead, you're dead. There ain't no going back, and there ain't nothing else after that. How about we put the emphasis on the safety of people and the accountability of the situation? That's all I got. I could I could do an hour and a half on that subject alone. If you want to ride your bike, that's awesome. Very good for your health. And it's very good for the environment, and I'm a fan. But this idea, this lily nilly, oh hey, let's let's put in the trades. We can put out in the trade magazines and all the uh, the, the advertising campaigns that we put out there in the southeast. Oh look at Chattanooga, we're so bike friendly. Except that nobody on the bike on the roads has any idea what they're doing, and it's actually a human death trap. Oh yeah, they left that part out. I gotta run. I'm off to Nashville. I'm gonna go hang out at the Mother Church at the Ryman, chill with some friends and family. And uh, just going to kind of take it easy for the rest of the summer. Hit up a few nightfalls here and there and uh, do a little live on the green in Nashville in August. So I'll be around. If you see me, come say hello. I love you to death if you listen to this show. If you don't listen to this show and you're chill and you're cool and you're kind and you're not a fraud and you're authentic, then I love you too. I got to go. This uh, song works so perfect. I love this band so much. It's Cracker. And I am out of here. See you later. Bye.